Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. Genesis 16, it reads this way. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. She had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarah's proposal. So Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarah, with contempt. Go down to verse 15. So Hagar gave Abram a son, and Abram named him Ishmael. And Abram was 86 years old. When Ishmael was born. For the time that we have tonight, I just want to trouble your patience for a little while. Let me talk from this thought. Don't get ahead of God. Look at someone next to you and say, neighbor, whatever you do, don't get ahead of God. Lift those hands toward heaven and say, Lord, speak. We need to hear. He may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Don't get ahead of God. I can still hear his voice in my head. I was raised by my maternal grandparents and there was no greater joy I had, Pastor Walren, than to spend time with my grandfather. I will tell you that I was a grand boys, I was his boy. I was the one that went with him everywhere. But there were things that he would oftentimes have to remind me because I was a precocious little child. And so when we go out, whether it was to the fair, whether it was to the mall, he had to always give me that speech. Before we walk in that place, he would always look me in the eye and tell me, now, when we get in here, I need you to stick close to me. I need you to make sure that you are with me and I need you to make sure. He literally would tell me before it all was done, I don't want to have to go looking for you. We have some things we need to do. And so I need you to stay by my side. Now, as a little kid hearing that, I will admit to you that <laughs> I had some trepidation, but there was a part of me that was just a little bit disobedient. Because as much as I loved being with my grandfather, as much as I appreciate his influence in my life, I didn't like hanging with my grandfather. <laughs> because as I got a little older, whether it was at the fair or at the mall, there were things that my grandfather would do that I felt slowed me down. And I didn't like the fact that when we were together, I would have to stick with him because there were two things that I found that were incongruent with how I wanted to operate in those spaces. The real reality is I didn't like the pace of my grandfather, nor did I like the preferences of my grandfather. When it comes to the pace, I'll be honest with you, my grandfather was very intentional and methodical. Willie. He would oftentimes just have his own sweet way of going about things. And I thought he was taking too much time. I thought it was too slow. He would just walk at his own particular gate. I didn't like my grandfather's pace. But I also will tell you, number two, I did not like his preferences. My grandfather had a way of going to stores he wanted to go to. He, 
I wanted to go to the toy store. I wanted to go to Foot Locker, Foot Action. I want to see all those things. But he would not want to go there first. And it's interesting now that I think about it, my grandfather was the one who had the money. It was my grandfather <laughs> was the one that had all the resources. But I didn't like his pace, nor did I like his preference. And oftentimes I would try to meander ahead of him, not realizing that he was the one that had everything that I needed. Now, before you judge me, I, I know I can already tell that you're already looking at me in a very weird way. And I thought we was family, so I didn't think that y'all would be as judgmental as you are. But just as I had issues with my grandfather's pace and preference, I would make the argument that you and I have the same way with God. That here we are when God wants us and God is unveiling so many things for us. There are challenges that we have. We, we know that God has everything. We just lifted him up in worship. We talked about he's the God that deserves all glory. But we don't always like God's pace and we don't always like God's preference. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, God's pace does not seem to always line up with ours. It does not seem to be on our schedule nor on our time clock. Neither do we like his preferences. It always seems as if God takes the roundabout way of getting us where we want to be. I raise that today because my brothers and sisters, I come with this thought and I really want you to help me flesh this thing out because I come tonight because you can allow our pace and our preferences to oftentimes make us get out of sync with God. And there's nothing worse, my brothers and sisters, than getting out ahead of God. Because there is challenges in being ahead of God because being ahead of God oftentimes moves us out of his will. And if we're not careful, not only will we be out of his will, we'll sometimes get in his way. And tonight I feel this compelling. I will be honest with you. I wrestle with what to speak tonight. I wrestle with where do you want me to go with this? And this is where God settled because he came to talk to some people to let you know that your synchronization with him is off. You come to worship, and I know you lift up holy hands, but you're trying your best to get ahead of God. You're, you're trying to tell God what you want God to do. And now here you are, tired and frustrated because God's timing don't match your timing. God's plans don't match your plans. And I come tonight to tell you that there is danger in that premise. You don't have to take my word for it tonight. I, that's what brought us to our text tonight in Genesis chapter 16. I, I will admit to you, this is one of the most problematic passages for me, Pastor Warren, in all of Scripture. I mean, it focuses on a man that many of us know, that progenitor of faith, the father of faith by the name of Abraham. Matter of fact, by the time we come to this text, he's not even Abraham. He ain't even earned that name yet. He's still Abram. And God has brought this man a mighty long way. When you go back to his story in Genesis chapter 11 and, and going into Genesis chapter 12, you see where God has brought Abram from. He brought him from the Ur of Chaldeans, moved him to the promised land of Canaan, brings him there, tells him, I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to make your nations great. Out of your loins is going to be an incredible legacy. And that's what we began to experience, the opening portion of the journey of the life of Abram. We see this whole idea of legacy, first of all, being uh, lifted up, the promise being lifted up in land. Someone say land. And when you read Genesis 12 and you read Genesis 13 and 14, you'll see that God begins to show him the power of the promise of the land. He walks the land. He sees all that God has for him to get in the land. If I had time tonight, I would tell you I love the fact that wherever he pitched his tent, he built an altar. Because wherever God sends you, you always need to build an altar. Wherever God places you, you always need to build an altar. Even in temporary places, you still need to give God permanent praise. 
But it is around Genesis chapter 15 and 16 that the things begin to shift because now the manifestation of the promise moves from land to legacy. Now, here is the challenge. He says, all right, not only am I going to give you land, which you experience now, but I'm also going to give you a son. I'm going to allow you and your wife, Sarah, I'm going to fulfill this promise. And through your son, through your legacy, I'm going to allow the nations to once again come throughout your legacy. They'll, they'll be outnumbering the stars in the sky. You can't even put a number on the sand on the seashore. But Abram, that is what your family will have. However, time keeps on ticking. But what happens when God gives you a promise and God tells you something, but the time keeps on ticking? What, what happens when God says, this is yours, I've got destiny and dreams, and I've got visions and plans and desires that I'm going to accomplish in your life, but time keeps on ticking. I mean, I could handle it if it was one week. I could handle it if it was one month. I could handle it if it was one year. But as we look at the story of Abram tonight, they had this promise over their life. God had told them he was going to do it. However, the candler kept on shifting. Who am I talking to tonight that's ever had time? Just keep on ticking. I believe I'm talking to someone under the sound of my voice. God has spoken something to you. And here you are showing up to church week in and week out. Here you are in revival and you can see it as clear as day. God has given you this thing. However, nothing seems to match what God says. Well, what do you do when what God has said to you doesn't seem to match your existential reality? What happens when God gives you a promise and gives you this vision, but yet nothing seems to go about it? And that's where we find them in our text. Some time has went by. I mean, he was already older of age, but now the text tells us they're getting weak. And when we get to Genesis chapter 16, it is in this moment where he decides to take a step and move ahead of God. And tonight I really came as a warning. I, I'm not sure how much this is a revival sermon. However, I think this is a contemplative, a reflective sermon because I think there are some elements of this passage tonight that I really want to just unfold because I know, I know for some, this almost sounds sacrilegious. What do you mean get ahead of God? But there are factors that causes us to sometimes move out of step and out of sync with God. And when we begin to unpack this tonight, there are three episodes of interactions I need you to be aware of. If you've got some time, write these down. It was the advice of Sarah. It was the abandonment of Hagar and even the allowance of Ishmael in our text in Genesis 16 that moves us to this place where we see Abram moving ahead of God. And I come tonight and I hope that you will receive what I've got for you tonight. I hope that you understand where I'm trying to flow with this tonight because you got too much in store. God says, I know that you're getting tired and I know that you're getting weary and I know you're getting frustrated. And I know you're having people chirp in your ears talking about that thing is never going to come to pass, but I ought to have a few people under the sound of my voice tonight that can just declare and decree that if God said it, that settles it. I understand that even in my weariness, I still got to maintain my insincrity with God. Let me share that a little bit tonight. I just want to walk through this. Can we just have a little conversation? Can we have some group therapy tonight? Can we just engage this a little bit? Because I think that there is something to be understood because the question is raised, how do we get ahead of God? And I think these moments are lifted up in Genesis chapter 16. Here it is. I want to give you this first principle I need you to jot down. The first way that I can suggest that we sometimes move ahead of God is, number one, be aware of voices that can distract. 
the, the first principle I need you to get down tonight is you got to be aware of voices that can distract. It's right there in the text. Notice what takes place. We see the Bible tells us that we now find out who's the culprit, who's the one that ends up with the initial plan that moves Abram ahead of God. It is not a stranger. It is not a hater. It's not somebody that is antithetical, nor does not know who Abram or God is. The Bible says the one that conspires this whole idea is Sarah, his wife. It's interesting that raises these thoughts for us tonight because really here is my challenge when you began to think about it. When you read what I read into your hearing tonight, Sarah begins to come in and she operates in a very interesting way. Notice what she comes in. Here is someone who is very important to the promise. She, in essence, is a partner to the promise that God has given to Abram. Abram cannot have the promise without Sarah. However, Sarah declares God is taking too long. And she starts to look at her situation. She begins to see herself. She begins to say, listen, we've been working and trying and getting this all done. And maybe it's me. I'm not sure, Abram, but maybe God didn't say that the promise has to come through me. Maybe, Abram, that, that God said there's a promise, but, but maybe we need to figure out an alternative way. Maybe what we need to do, Abram, is we need to help God out. Okay, maybe I need some people that can help me, maybe in the middle that can testify. Uh, have you ever had those moments in life uh, where sometimes you get so tired and frustrated, you just say to yourself, let me see if we can just help God out. Let, let me see if I can figure out a way to help God do what I feel God needs to do. And so she comes up with the plan that says, listen, well, won't you just take my handmaiden? We'll, we'll just let her come and you can lay with her and, and you can have children through her. And so they'll technically still uh, be our child, that, that, that it can happen with my handmaiden. It, it's allowable because under the law of this day, it was allowable. This was not something that was outside the law. However, even though it was allowable, it still was not God. And if I had some time tonight to push somebody here, I want to let you know that sometimes you got to be careful because sometimes you and I can be guilty of skirting the outside and doing the things that we know is allowable, but still ain't God. Some stuff ain't illegal, but it still ain't God. I know that you're trying your best to help God out. Go and look at somebody tell them God don't need your help God don't need you pushing him God don't need you making your own way and Sarah is the one I want to lay right there tonight because when I began to think about this sis I began to wonder how many of us have oftentimes been distracted by our own Sarah's who is it in your life that keeps telling you and telling you, listen, won't you do it this way? Who keeps telling you, why are you still waiting on God? Who keeps talking to you? And here's the thing, Sarah is no stranger to you. Sometimes it's your loved ones that can sometimes get you out of the will of God. That's why oftentimes if we're not careful, it's not your enemy. It ain't a hater. It ain't somebody that don't know you. It's not a stranger. But it's those people that you rock with, people that you grow up in their house. So people that sit next to you on the pew at FCBC are the same ones that can come and be the very ones that can lead you astray from where God wants you to be. I wish I had some people to hear that can testify and help the preacher tonight and say, you know what? I've had my own voices in my own life that had distracted me, told me to do this when I know that wasn't God, told me to do that when I know it wasn't God. Somebody under here, I know it's hard for us to acknowledge it tonight, but sometimes you got to be aware there are voices that can distract you. That one of the challenges that we have, my brothers and sisters, tonight is that oftentimes we allow voices of loved ones, voices of people we claim to be spiritual. Here's my issue with Sarah. Sarah, you know the promise. You know what God said do. Why all of a sudden are you acting this particular way? Why are you doing something and telling Abram 
that this is the way that God wants it done. I come tonight, I'm not sure, maybe that's the point that I need to press upon someone's heart. Watch who has your ear. Because who has your ear has the ability to lead you where you're not supposed to go. And sometimes we've allowed and anointed people who are not hearing from God, but oftentimes are operating in their own selfish ambition and their own frustration to lead you. Can I tell you, maybe one of the reasons Sarah was at the point, she was frustrated. Be careful with listening to people who frustrated over the same thing you're frustrated over. Be careful of people that you allow to lead you who are going through their very same thing. In our text, it is Sarah is doing it. Sometimes you just got to be different. My, my first church is interesting, was in, in Alabama. I started pastoring at 23 years old and I, and I drove because I was in seminary there in Atlanta, Georgia. I drove an hour and 45 minutes one way uh, to my first church. It was in Salem, Alabama. It's interesting if you ever know anything about that. Uh, Georgia and Alabama are neighbors. However, it's interesting that even though Georgia and Alabama are neighbors, they don't share the same time. Georgia is on Eastern Standard Time. But when you cross the state line into Alabama, it becomes central standard time or how the locals call it slow time. <laughs> so the interesting thing is that when I leave Georgia and go into Alabama, I lose an hour. But when coming back from Alabama to Georgia, I gain an hour. So I always had to learn that when I would go, I would lose an hour. And then when I would come back, I would gain an hour. It's interesting because I would always have to adjust myself when I moved into Alabama. Now, I would move from Georgia to Alabama and the time would be different. But it's interesting to note that even though Alabama was under central time, there were four cities in Alabama that did not have central time. They were literally neighboring cities right next to Georgia. Phoenix City It's called Beauregard and a couple other cities they kept eastern time as themselves so even though they were in Alabama they still operated as another city in Georgia so even though everybody else around them were dealing with their own time period guess what they decided to do we're going to have our own time what we are closer to is what we're going to stay in tune with let me help you because I need someone to understand this is how God operates because sometimes you got to make sure that your time is in God's time and sometimes if you're not careful you allow other people's time to get you out of God's time you got to be mindful of the voices that distract you but it's not just voices that distract but I also want to suggest there are vices that detour my womanist perspective of this passage really has some problems and I will tell you because it does seem like the power dynamics are out of form when Sarah offers up Hagar to Abram to lay with these power dynamics I struggle with my womanist perspectives really has a challenge with Genesis 16 so I need to put that out there so that you'll be aware that I understand that but can we step back and look at symbolically what Hagar represents because Hagar represents in the text what Sarah is offering to Abraham or Abram as the shortcut. She's the shortcut to try to manipulate God's plan. Now, here's what I need to help you with tonight. Hagar is the handmaiden of Sarah. But we also learned some insight tonight. She's the Egyptian handmaiden. Now, why is that important? Go back to Genesis chapter 12. The text tells you that while he was in the promised land of Canaan, he found for a period of time where he went out of the promised land into Egypt. Go back to Genesis chapter 12. It was in Egypt that he made a calculated mistake. He lied. Matter of fact, a lot of things happened in Egypt. Egypt represent being out of the will of God. 
And so he moves from Egypt. God had to get him. And so he has to move back into the promised land. He goes from Canaan to Egypt. Things go horribly awful for him in Egypt. He finds himself back in the promised land. But fast forward four chapters. What we see is that even though he was out of the will of God, there were some things they got from Egypt. That along the way in Egypt, being out of the will, they picked up Hagar. We didn't hear nothing about Hagar in Genesis chapter 12. She wasn't an issue in Genesis chapter 13. She wasn't an issue in Genesis 14 or 15. But now in Genesis 16, what they thought they got out of or got rid of is now come back to haunt them. Can I ask you a personal question tonight? Can we just have a little therapy? What things are, still, are you still attached to that God got you out of? Wait, Hagar's are still lingering around. You ain't said nothing about them. It's been four chapters of your life. You ain't even thought nothing about it. But now it wasn't no issue in Genesis 12. It wasn't no issue in Genesis 13. It wasn't no issue in Genesis 14. It wasn't no issue in Genesis 15. But what happens when some chapters have passed? What happens when uh, some things you thought you had moved and progressed on? What happens when what you thought you were out of shows up in your face? text tells us that Hagar comes, and this is the thing that is offered to Abram. Sarah says, lay with Hagar. Once again, I told you the power dynamics that causes me problems. However, here is the challenge that I also have, is that Abram lays with Hagar, and she becomes pregnant. Okay, I need you to hear what I just said. Sarah offers Hagar to Abram. Abram lays with her, and Hagar becomes pregnant. Now, why is that interesting? Well, for the last few years, as long as we know, he's been laying with Sarah. The promise was for Sarah and Abram to have a child. But they've been trying for a long time and nothing happens. Nothing comes to pass. But as soon as he lays with Hagar, she gets pregnant. Okay, let me try it again. They've been working hard with the one who was supposed to be the promise giver. Sarah is the wife of the covenant. But the more they work, nothing happens. But as soon as he lays with Hagar, who's out of the wheel, she gets pregnant. Okay, maybe I'm the only one in here that's wrestling with this. What happens when the thing that God ordains doesn't work as well as the stuff you do on your own? I wish y'all released me tonight. I'm trying to have a little therapy with you. What happens, my brothers and sisters, when uh, what you do with Sarah doesn't seem to be fruitful, but as soon as you rock with Hagar, everything seems to float. What happens when your flesh seems to be more successful than your spirit? What happens when uh, the flesh seems to be going? I wish someone would be honest with me tonight and testify. That sometimes is your biggest challenge uh, is because here you are. You've been trying to be faithful. You've been in your place of assignment. You've been working hard and doing what you're supposed to do, but nothing seems to work. Nothing seems to come to pass. Nothing seems to be making sense. But as soon as you step out and soon as you do something outside of the wheel, everything seems to fall in place. What happens when your Hagar gets pregnant? Tonight for us. I need you to hear my heart tonight. Because I can imagine the tension and frustration that is taking place in this moment. I can imagine 
how it had to look for this moment to come. They've been working hard. They've been trusting God's word. They've been actually working to do what God told them to do, but nothing was coming to pass. I come to talk to some frustrated people that you've been trying to do it right. You've been trying to follow God's ways. You've been trying to be faithful, but more you've been faithful, the less things seem to come to pass. The more you be faithful, nothing seems to happen. But as soon as you step out, as soon as you do it your way, stuff seems to be successful. What happens when your sin is successful? Tonight, that's the challenge that we wrestle with. Because what happens when Hagar gets pregnant? What happens when Sarah stays barren, but Hagar gets pregnant? And this is where I wrestle with tonight. Because I will be honest with you, Pastor, this is my issue. And perhaps this is why God had me try to wrestle with this thought today. And I really was trying to figure this thing out because I wasn't sure if someone needed to hear this tonight. Because I come to talk to someone and let you know that just because it works don't mean it's God. Or maybe I need to talk to this side. Just because it seems to work doesn't mean it's always God. And sometimes that's the challenge of your faith. Sometimes God wants to know, can you stay committed even when things are not going well? Can you still stay committed even when things don't seem to be working out in your favor? I wish I had someone tonight that can look over your life and say, Pastor, why are you telling all of my business? Because the Lord knows I just got frustrated. I was doing it. I was trying to make that thing work like it needed. And sometimes I struggle because the things I shouldn't do, I got good at it. And the stuff that I was called to, it became the struggle of my life. I take you to look at someone and say, neighbor, I know it gets tough and I know that Sarah sometimes feels as if she remain in bearer, but just because Hagar gets pregnant doesn't mean that's what it's supposed to be. Here's my challenge. I'm almost done. Here's my challenge. Willie, here's my challenge tonight. I wonder could this have been avoided? Warren, could this have been avoided tonight? Because at the end of the day, notice that when Sarah offers up Hagar, Abram knew what God said. But he didn't question what she offered. Nowhere in the text does it tell us that Abram said, hold on, before we do this, let me pray and talk to God. Nowhere did it say, now, Sarah, I love you, baby, but let me go go in my prayer closet and talk. He done talked to God about everything else. He talked to God about everything else. But as soon as he got off of this, he ain't say nothing to God. He said, all right, cool, Sarah, I'm with it. Uh, what you? I wish I had some real people to be honest. Uh, there's some stuff, let's be honest, that you could have avoided if you would have just been consistent in continuing to talk to God. I wish someone would be real tonight. Every now and again, you talk to God about everything else, but there's some stuff you don't always talk to God about and the stuff you don't talk to God about is the very thing that gets you in trouble I wish someone would be honest tonight I'm hope I don't offend nobody tonight I ain't trying to defend you um I read an article recently and I hope nobody in here gets offended but it says that insurance companies are starting not to uh, insure Kias. Hope, hope none of y'all got, got Kias. I hope you don't offend you tonight. The reason they're not, they're not deciding to insure Kias is because when they had decided to create Kias, they left out a very key component to what could protect Kias from being stolen. 
kids, if you go out, it is a rise in the nation. Matter of fact, almost 30, 35% higher than any other vehicle. Why? Because when they created Kia's, they didn't put in it an anti-theft device. So people who are thieves, car thieves, would look in parking lots. And because they know that there is no anti-device theft system on the Kia, they'll overlook BMWs. They'll overlook Lexuses, they're overlooked Toyotas, Hondas, Hyundais. Why? Because they understand this is easy to get into. And since it's easy to get into, it won't cost me anything to go get. I wish I had some time tonight. I know, I know. I know you still think I'm talking about Kia's, but I'm talking about you. And what I aim to tell you tonight, that if you don't have the right thing on the inside of you, there's always something that's coming to try to take you and something to try to stay. I wish I had some real people that can testify and say, you got to be mindful and careful because some things you got to make sure you take to God. It's there. Voices that distract. I'm just trying to have a little therapy tonight. What voices are talking to you? What voices are distracting you? But there are vices that detour. What, what stuff, what Hagar's feels more successful than God's plan for you? And what stuff is still being dragged from your past that's just now showing up? I'm done. Here's the third thing. I'm done. I'm serious. I'm done. Not only voices that distract, it's not only vices that detour, but here's the third thing, be careful of views that discriminate. Remember I told you it's the advice of Sarah that became the problem. It's the abandonment of Hagar that becomes the problem, but then also this whole issue with Ishmael. And now I'm finally getting to the meat of my sermon because this is all I came for tonight. Hagar is in this point, she starts taunting Sarah. She starts taunting. Hagar's walking around. Can you imagine? She's walking around the house looking at Sarah. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I can't work today. I'm a little tired. I mean, you would understand if you could do what I could do, but I'm. She starts taunting. To the point that Sarah gets mad and she makes Abram, listen, man, we can't survive in this house together. So we need to do something. Abraham, Abram says, you do what you want to do. She kicks Hagar out the house. Hagar's out the house, and she's pregnant with Abram's child. It's interesting to note, if you read this passage in its entirety, the Bible says that while she's wandering, an angel of the Lord shows up. Now, what makes this interesting is there are 48 mentions of angel of the Lord in Scripture. The first time it is mentioned is in Genesis chapter 16. Angel Lord, messenger that, that comes, this entity. It, and watch what happens. This first iteration of the angel Lord does not come for Abram. Does not come for Sarah. It comes to find Hagar. Boy, I wish I had some people to help me tonight. Finds her out there, sees where she is, she's in this problem. And the text says he sees her. And, and, and so he begins to talk to her. He tells her, listen, this child that you have, um, she is going to give birth. And matter of fact, Great descendants are going to come more than you can even count. Matter of fact, when you have the child, this is what I want the child named Ishmael, which means God hears. 
And this is what I also need you to do. Before this child is born, I need you to do something. Go back to the house. I know your mistress is mad. Go back to the house. I need you to go back and live in the house with Sarah and Abram. Because I'm going to allow this child to be born and have great descendants and still give the promise to Abram. So when she encounters this conversation, she says that he's, she calls him the God that sees. Willie, here's what's interesting in this moment of desolation and isolation. When this child, when Hagar is on the end, we see God being shown in a multitude of ways. He's a God that hears and he's a God that sees. Let me say it again. She notices in this moment of abandonment while she's going through this period of not knowing what to do. God shows up and he shows that I'm a God that hears and I'm a God that sees. Let me try it again. Everything is going ahead. This is not God's initial plan. God told them that I need a child through Sarah. Sarah is going to be the promised one that's going to give you the legacy. They move ahead of God. Hagar gets pregnant. They kick Hagar out. God finds Hagar where he, she is, tells her to call the baby by the name of Ishmael. God hears. She talks to him and says, you're the God that sees, sends her back home. In this wilderness experience, we see that God is seen as a God that hears and a God that sees. I wish I had time because if I had time tonight, it's interesting to know he's seen as a God that hears, he's seen as a God that sees, but he's not seen as a God that disqualifies. Because he sends the family back. He goes back, Hagar, according to verse 15 and 16, so Hagar gave Abram a son and Abram named him Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. This is my whole sermon right here. Here is what I need you to understand tonight about God. God sees us, God hears us, but God does not disqualify us, which means that even when you and I get ahead of God, even when we do things that does not match up with God's ordained plan, for our life. Let me tell you about God's goodness and God's grace is that God has enough space to let you have Ishmael and the promise at the same time. You missed what I'm trying to declare tonight and that's all I came to tell somebody tonight. I didn't have much more than that and I don't know why God wanted me to share this to somebody but I came to talk to some people that thought you was disqualified. I came to talk to some people that you thought because you got out of step with God, you got out of sync with God, that God was going to take his promise away from you. I came tonight with that one simple premise I did all that talking for the last 20 some odd minutes to let you know that just because you made the mistake just because you went out of God's will does not mean God is going to forfeit or take away the God promise he has over your life God sent me to tell you tonight that you can have an Ishmael and the promise at the same time there's enough room in the span of God's goodness over your life that it does not matter how many times you got ahead of God God said I can still do what I declared over your life and that's what I need somebody to hear me tell you tonight do me a favor grab someone by the hand and say neighbor all the little preacher was trying to tell you is that no mistake of yours can disqualify you from God's promise no issue that you have done can get you out of God saying that what I've declared over your life is still yay and amen maybe I'm just talking to myself tonight because when I look back over my own life I made my fair share of mistakes. I've done some stuff I should not have done and I tried to get ahead of God but I'm so glad that even when Ishmael is born he won't kill it. He'll let it stay alive and still give you the promise tonight. I don't know why. 
Robin, I don't know why God wanted me to say this tonight. Everyone's standing. I wish I had something better. I don't have anything else. Play softly. Maybe God wanted me to help you tonight because there's some under the sound of my voice you're still dealing with the shame of Ishmael. And you assume that because Ishmael is your own doing that God will forget about what he promised you tonight. I don't know why God had me do this tonight. It's not something I ever did, but I feel tonight that somebody needs to know that God got enough space. God got enough room for your Ishmael and your Isaac at the same time. Quickly, come to the altar. I want to pray for those who say, listen, Pastor, I needed this tonight. Because I know I've did my own thing. I'm trying to step outside the wheel. Quickly come. I, I just want to just talk with you. That's all I want. I'm sorry. I wish I had something better. Come to the altar. Come. Willie, I was... I had a new doctor I was trying to go to in Augusta. Come. There's some of you in the audience. Come. We're going we're gonna to come here because I don't want you to leave here thinking that God has taken his promise away. Just because you got out of step doesn't mean that God has changed his word about you. There was a new doctor that I had in our, our city, Willie. I, I have all black doctors and lawyers. And when they gave me the address, me trying to be big and grown, I, I thought I would, I could just go there myself. Um, so I didn't put the address in my GPS because I assumed that I knew where it was. Well, you already know how that thing happened. My appointment was nine. I didn't get there to about nine, 15, nine, 20. I felt so embarrassed because I thought I was late. So when I walked in, I was assuming um, that um, they would have to reschedule me. It was my fault. I was late. I didn't do what I needed to do to be on time. So when I walked in, Willie, I, I, I told them uh, it's my fault. <laughs> I didn't put the GPS in. I know I'm late. So if I need to reschedule, then I reschedule. That's why the receptionist said, oh, Dr. Goodman. <laughs> oh, I can tell this is your first time. She said, listen, oh, we, we, we always know that there are some people who ain't going to ever make it on time. So we build in what is called a grace period. Which means that even though you ain't come on time, you still in time. I wish I had time. You're not on time, but you're still in time. You don't have to reschedule. You don't have to do anything different. We have built in grace period. And maybe that's all God wanted me to tell someone tonight. You may not be on time, but you're still in time. God said tonight, I'm going to give you the grace spirit to remember that just because you moved ahead of God and just because things didn't happen that God wanted ordained, God said, I can still give you the space for Ishmael and Isaac at the same time. God, we thank you tonight. We come. And Lord, we acknowledge the fact that there are some moments that we don't always do what we're supposed to do. And there's times that we disagree with your pace and your preference. And so people have come to this altar tonight, God, because we have wrestled with those times.
but we just didn't like what you were doing. We didn't like how you were doing it. We didn't like the timing that you were putting us in. And God, we got frustrated. And here's the challenge tonight. We put things in our own hands. And so tonight we realize that this story of Abraham, Abram is our story. Because we've allowed voices to distract us. We've allowed people that we love, that, that we thought we could trust, to tell us things that was out of your will. So God, help us to understand and to guard our ear in this season. Realizing who has our ear also leads our life. That's why we're grateful to be a part of this church and be under this pastor. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So tonight what we declare, what we need, God, is make sure that your voice is the greatest voice. Even if loved ones try to come in and they have good intentions, good ain't God tonight. We want God over good. And Lord, we recognize there's some things that at the right time always come up from stuff we just been released from. Lord, help us to spot our Hagar's tonight. Help us to spot those very things that can come in and that can seem successful. Even though we've been frustrated by what we've been going through. So, Lord, tonight I pray that you help us. Because for all of us, we have fallen short. And sometimes we oftentimes have just leaned in on the easy way out. So, Lord, we thank you tonight because we can acknowledge just like Abram, there are sometimes our Hagar's get pregnant. We do what Abram does and Sarah does. We try to discard it. But tonight there is grace tonight. Because we realize that you're a God that sees us and hears us tonight. And what we also recognize, God, is that you show such great mercy. Here's the mercy, God. You let Ishmael live. That what the world may see as a mistake, you can still make a blessing. <laughs> the very thing that, that we thought we was doing that was out of your will, you can still make a blessing tonight. So, Lord, I come tonight because I want those here at this altar to know that there is no mistakes in life. Only things that God can reorient and reimagine and bless again. So, Lord, I thank you that you can let Ishmael live and still bless us even more. I thank you that you can let Ishmael live and still give us our Isaac. I thank you that there's room in our lives that you can bless us in multiple ways tonight. So, Lord, I thank you tonight that you'll still use those things that perhaps we didn't do according to your will to be a big blessing to us. So, Lord, I release someone from shame tonight. Let someone know that the best is still yet to come. Let someone know that it does not matter what it looks like and what the world deems may not be in God's will. Thank you, God, that you can still use it. And use us in a special way. So tonight, just help us. Help us to stay in sync with you. Help us to stay in step with you. And let us know that even when we're not on time, we're still in time. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute. If you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again, and we look forward